Many reasons have been given to justify Mormon polygamy. We're going to discuss some of them next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? A few years ago, we reviewed a book entitled The Ghost of Eternal Polygamy, and it was written by Carol Lynn Pearson. And you can watch the review uh, of that book on the, the link on the screen at whatloveisthis.tv, and it's episodes number 944 and 945 if you're interested in seeing them. But she wrote um, in her book about a heart-wrenching study that she had done uh, with thousands of Mormon women who were existing in total misery every day because of the threat of being required to share their husbands with other women in the Mormon idea of celestial heaven. Now, since Jesus explained to us that there are no marriages after this life, the pain and agony these women suffer is completely unnecessary. However, thousands believe what their Mormon leaders say rather than what Jesus said. So they continue to live in their mental misery. We're going to revisit a portion of her book that we didn't cover in the previous review, and a particular topic begins on page 56, and the chapter is entitled, The Why of Mormon Polygamy. Now, a few years ago, we did a series entitled The Myths of Mormon Polygamy, and this is a little different. It focuses more on Mormon answers to the question of why polygamy was commanded to Joseph Smith and includes the eternal view of polygamy held by current LDS men and women. It also incorporates the errors that LDS people have contrived to explain away the polygamy of Joseph Smith and the early Mormon pioneers. The author is a member of the LDS Church, and she points out some of the nonsensical and, I think, illogical <laughs> answers that they give to, depend, de, to defend the polygamy of uh, the Mormon church. So we're going to discuss her answers to the question, the why of Mormon polygamy. Today our co-host is Dorothy Catlin. Earl couldn't be with us. So you are going to be pulling in some of the quotes that we've got. Mm -hmm. So let's quote. I'll just be reading. Why, um, why it happened. Why did it happen? Yeah. This is the question that Carolyn Pearson is asking in her book. The official position of the LDS Church today is that God commanded that plural marriage commence, even sending to Joseph an angel with a drawn sword who threatened the prophet's position and even his life if he did not obey. Later, God commanded that the practice cease. But why? What purpose did it serve? And, and so that's what the topic is all about in mm -hmm. this in part two. We're going to do this in a two-part series. Now, she gives various answers to that question. And, of course, we'll be adding our own two cents worth <laughs> as we discuss those answers and debunk some of their reasoning as well. So the first answer to the why of polygamy is polygamy was necessary to multiply and replenish the earth. And it helped the church grow very quickly. Now, remember... These arguments are put forth by various people in the LDS Church attempting to answer the why of polygamy in the first place. Notice that they claim polygamy was necessary to multiply and replenish the earth. Now, since we humans have been doing a pretty good job <laughs> of that for a long time. <laughs> since the beginning of time, polygamy is not needed in order to accomplish the task of populating the earth. But she offers her own insight, which is a very good point. 
She says, to date, there are no proven progeny from Joseph Smith's polygamous marriages. And according to the church's website, studies have shown that monogamous women bore more children per wife than did polygamous wives, except for the first wife. 19th century Utah showed that children of the monogamous men had better survival rates. Interesting when you get back into it, isn't it? LDS members, of course, defend Joseph Smith's polygamy. They say he didn't have sex with his wives, boasting that there are no known descendants from any of his polygamous marriages. Well, doesn't that defeat the very purpose? What's the point then? Yeah, Yeah. what's the point of the (laughs) argument there? She also made a good point when she said that polygamy more likely repulsed more new converts that it would attract. Mm-hmm. And and we need to point out, as we've shown several times in past shows, that polygamy does attract pedophiles and sexually perverted behavior, unwanted marriages, child marriages, and so on. That's the kind of society that polygamy usually creates. Mormon polygamists historically have proven that they are not a people who seek manifested righteousness. They live secret and hidden lives, and they brainwash their members, and everything they do that hurts people, they blame on God, claiming is His will for them. And as for filling the earth with people, God did ordain that the animals and Adam and Eve multiply and fill the earth. And after the great flood, God told Noah and his family to Mm -hmm. replenish the earth. But he's not giving that command to anyone else at any time. It's not needed. Not that we have recorded anywhere. (laughs) That's that's right. Exactly. Another logical (laughs) question comes out of their answer. If it increases the LDS population... Why haven't they commanded polygamy during the past decades in which they've lost so many thousands Mm -hmm. and thousands of members, mostly due to the Internet? Right. And they don't talk about the membership loss, but it has been huge. In fact, one of the members said that their membership is hemorrhaging. (laughs) So to keep their membership up, according to this logic, they need to command polygamy again. The next answer to the why (laughs) of Mormon polygamy... So polygamy was needed in order to provide husbands for the large surplus of female members, especially widows. But their own scripture decries that answer. And we'll find that. And the author actually proposes that scripture in the Book of Mormon, Mosiah, um, as an excellent remedy for widows and orphans. And it did not involve polygamy. Mm-hmm. This, this was an interesting verse to me because I, I just don't remember reading it before. This is Mosiah twenty one seventeen. Now, there was a great number of women, more than there was of men. Therefore, King Limhi commanded that every man should impart to the support of the widows and their children that they might not perish with hunger. And this they did because of the greatness of their number that had been slain. So there you have it. So they, they didn't marry them. Right. They... Helped they provided for them. <laughs> they shared food and, and right. other things, Supported but they didn't share them. their husbands. Right. Exactly. So, so widows and orphans can be taken care of without forcing uh, plural marriage upon them when and, and taking away any chance they have of, of a monogamous marriage. And one more thing that we need to bring up again is that history shows there never was more were more females than males in the Utah Territory, and that's easily checked out. Mm-hmm. Anyone who really wants to find out can check it out very easily. Number three on their why of Mormon polygamy. Polygamy produced more faithful members of the church. Really? Now, is that more faithful members or more faithful members? <laughs> Either way, Either it way. doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I took it as being uh, more in quantity rather Mm -hmm. than quality. 
So, right. so we'll we'll see. And, and I think that and, question of more faithful comes up later. Yeah, that's <laughs> it true. Does. It does. Yeah. It does. This this is taken into a couple of these, and I think that that's what she's meaning by her answer, because she illustrates the, the falseness of that statement yeah. by using the family of Heber C. Kimball. Now, as she said he had forty-three wives, and uh, now some. Some records say he had 45 wives, but we'll use her numbers. It's a good round number. Um, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and 17 of those wives gave birth to 65 children. So they have a lot of descendants. And she asked one of the descendants of Heber Kimball and of his first wife if polygamy produced more faithful members or Mormons in their family. And this is what he said. This is such an interesting response, especially given who he is. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And this is is a quotation. No, it seemed to create fundamentalists and atheists. Only two of the 42 sons of Heber became polygamists themselves. My father would go around to his cousins converting them to the LDS church because their parents were no longer Mormons. And you know That's what? Fascinating I, it it but but I look <clears throat> at my family, just my family and I I only had 15 siblings. Uh, but I and I've got hundreds of cousins. And many of them have left and turned atheist. Many, most of them have left and turned atheist. I only have three members of my family that stayed in the polygamy group. The rest of all left. So it doesn't produce more faith, more or faithful, more faithful mm. members. Either way. Either yeah. way, yeah. <laughs> and I could say that through other family people that I know that have left polygamy groups. Um, and I also want to bring up that there was a huge exit of people from Mormonism after they discovered that polygamy was a required practice. Now, there are uncountable contemporary polygamous families whose family members have left polygamy and Mormonism uh, behind, and polygamy did not produce uh, faithfulness in those families. People abandoned Mormonism because of polygamy. Also, as a matter of record, I thought I'd bring this up, because of the illegal Kirtland Bank fraud that was pulled off by Joseph Smith, lots of people left. A huge number scrambled to get out of Mormonism. We quote... Thirteen suits were brought against him, being Joseph Smith, Uh between June 1837 and April 1839 to collect sums totaling nearly $25,000. The damages asked amounted to almost $35,000. He was arrested seven times in four months. Only six suits were settled out of court, about $12,000. Wow. Hmm. Many in the church grew disillusioned. Okay, now this quote is from Mormon Research Ministry. So that previous one was from No Man Knows My History. But they're Mm -hmm. quoting it. MRM is quoting it in their article. From the same source. Many in the church grew disillusioned with Smith's leadership. Heber Kimball, an LDS apostle at the time, wrote that there were not 20 persons on earth that would declare that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. Again, from No Man Knows My Mm -hmm. History. While Joseph was away from Kirtland for five weeks, David Whitmer, Martin Harris, and Oliver Cowdery, the three witnesses of the Book of Mormon, pledged their loyalty to a young girl with a black stone who claimed to be a prophetess. The church was crumbling. Yeah, so so my... I've never heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) My point, well, you know, they think that they're so growing and expanding and nobody ever left Joseph Smith, and he he bragged that no one ever... He was greater than Jesus because no one ever left him, but we have right here, they did. Well, the part about the girl with the young girl with the stone, stone. I've never heard that. (laughs) Oh, oh. (laughs) That's news. Well, you know, Joseph Smith had the stone, 
they must stone. have looking for people a better one. Yeah. <laughs> oh my, isn't it strange? But but the, the the point I wanted to make with this is polygamy didn't cause those who were hurt by this bank crisis right. to be more faithful members of the mm -hmm. church. In fact, they just got out of there. They left Joseph Smith right. and Mormonism and polygamy right. behind, totally behind. So that is not a good answer. That's the point <laughs> that we're making. <laughs> okay, number four of the why of Mormon polygamy is that there had to be a restoration of all things. Now, obviously, in that answer, they figure that polygamy was one of those things that had to be restored. From what? Mm -hmm. She responds to that answer like this. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? Is not love your enemy a higher law than an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Why restore a lower law? In the New Testament, being husband of one wife is in a list of qualifications for spiritual leadership. We have a pattern of moving forward, not backward. Well, actually, Mormonism has not gone forward. <laughs> But and, and she's probably thinking progressive and right. all of that. But that, according biblically, that is not a good statement because they haven't gone forward. They've gone completely backwards, uh, proven by their rejection of grace and holding on to the teaching of obedience of laws and ordinances mm -hmm. in order to earn eternal life. That's going backwards. And polygamy is just one of the works that was placed into their bucket of works, of required works, to, in order to earn a place in Mormon celestial glory. However, she makes a good point in her answer answer by asking why restore a lower law when the higher law is best. Obviously, she's putting polygamy in as a lower law. Polygamists put it in as the highest, the highest of laws. Law. Yeah. It's a higher, much higher law. The trouble <clears throat> is the Mormon mindset cannot fathom the idea that grace alone is God's method. Jesus fulfilled the whole law, and then he gives those who trust him the gift of his own personal righteousness. That is the true higher law, and nothing can replace that. And it never needed to be restored. And finally, there was never, ever a lower or higher law that required polygamy. Okay, answer number five. <laughs> she says, the doctrine and covenants as given to Joseph Smith suggests that God commanded polygamy of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and Solomon in the Old Testament. Why not again? Okay, and I hear that all the time. Well, but that, she's wrong that, about half of those guys. Well, but. yeah, she is. <laughs> Isaac and, and, um, and Moses were not polygamists. Uh, and the, I hear this answer from Mormons and polygamists alike. It is a standard right. answer. Right. Uh, but and she she correctly writes that there's no place in the Bible where God commanded polygamy. Mm -hmm. So that's something we've been saying, of course, for decades. Um, but uh, polygamy in in biblical times was cultural. Yes, it was there, but it was cultural. It was never a command of God or a command by any government. We also need to point out uh, that Isaac and Moses weren't polygamists. Uh, Abraham fathered only one child mm -hmm. with Hagar and ended up sending her and her son away by command of God. So that's hardly a good example for polygamy, and we've talked about that a few times. <laughs> Joseph Smith really had no valid foundation in using those Old Testament men as examples for polygamy. Number six is the why. <laughs> Uh, this one really fries my bacon. Uh, number six, there are more righteous women than men. So more women will qualify for the highest degree of glory in the celestial kingdom where marriage is essential. Where does that come from? Yeah. Who, there are more righteous women than men? Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and and you know what? It fries my bacon too. Because how in the world do they know such a thing? They don't. Made they, it up. They made. They made. They have it's to. Convenient. They have to make it up to yeah. fit their theology. Yeah. They have to, and because they can't marry unrighteous women, they can't have plural wives of unrighteous women. Mm. So there has to be more. There has to be right. I guess. But what's interesting <laughs> is on this planet, God has has made it so that the birth ratio male-female is equal. And mm-hmm. if he really did ordain polygamy, he would have done would what they've done, be, and they right. would he would have made more females right. born. And he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So we, sh- we know right there. But um, so um, her question fits right along with mine. How do they know there's more <laughs> righteous women than men? And besides that, Jesus said that in heaven we will all be like the angels. Even Mormon doctrine teaches the angels aren't married. We have some great quotes about these things, and of course, here's one we want to share with you. (laughs) Mormon apostle Heber C. Kimball preached, In the spirit world, there is an increase of males and females. There are millions of them. Kimball claimed that when they die and get to the Mormon celestial kingdom, we'll go to Brother Joseph and say, Here we are, Brother Joseph. We're here ourselves, are we not? With none of the property we possessed in our probationary state, not even the rings on our fingers, He will say to us, come along, my boys, we'll give you a good suit of clothes. Where are your wives? They're back yonder. They would not follow us. Never mind, says Joseph. Here are thousands. Have all you want. Why would you record having said that? I don't know. The only thing I could think of immediately came to my mind is they've got x-rated minds. That's all I could think about was having numbers, numbers of wives. Yeah. All the the incessant sex they would be having with all these women. Nobody could get away with this today. Oh, oh, I don't know. Some pretty odd things are going on. (laughs) But this is is supposed to be a holy, godly religion, the kingdom of God. And they come up with these kinds of Here's your property. Have all you want. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, Now, Pearson rightfully (laughs) remarked that this idea is insulting to Mormon men, and she called it folklore. And women, but... Yeah. And women, and we'll get to that. We're always incensed about this polygamy stuff. But she called it folklore, uh, that more women would be in heaven, but it isn't folklore. We just quoted it from one of Kimball's sermons, mm-hmm. so that doesn't make it folklore. Yeah. That makes it a teaching. It's true they made the statement, but the statement itself is not true. Uh, now, she also writes that Mosiah Hancock claims he had a vision about the preexistence and the war in heaven where Satan rebelled, but no females took part in the rebellion. And so as a result, God decreed that for every male that kept his first estate, there are two females. And that one I hadn't heard before. <laughs> I've never heard that either. There were a couple of new things in this yeah. particular <laughs> Line of thought. And, and of course, there's your answer to your plural wives. But but they've got to have more than two because the polygamists say you have to have at least three wives in order to be righteous enough to get to heaven. Well, the so there's still one this short. came from his supposed vision. Yeah. I, I think I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, from, from, yeah, exactly. So who do you believe, you know? Uh, and and it's, I think it's just overworking of men's imaginations. And I thought I would apply a biblical term to it. Rubbish. <laughs> That sounds good. (laughs) Another quote to make our female (laughs) viewers recoil in disgust. Oh, my soul. This is Orson Pratt. 
Another instance may be mentioned. It's often the case that there are many females who never had the offer of marriage from young men in whom they could place confidence to entrust themselves for all eternity. Question, must these females remain without husbands in the eternal worlds? Would it not be far better for each of them to be connected in marriage to a faithful man like Abraham, though he may already be a married man, than to remain in a single state to all eternity? Would it not be far greater happiness for her to be the second or third or fourth wife and thus be placed in a condition to raise up an endless posterity and enjoy with her husband all the glory and honor of his increasing kingdoms than to remain as an angel or servant without posterity forever and ever? There are so many troubling things about that. There is. You know, we could really tear Orson Pratt apart in so many of the things that he said. Um, but that very thing is what caused this book. To be that written. very thing. Mm-hmm. He's saying, oh, it would be wonderful to be a third or fourth wife in heaven right. uh, so that you can have babies forever. <laughs> no. And, and I, raise up you know, uh, the increase of your husband's kingdom. Right, of yeah. your husband's kingdom. Uh, just one of his wives. Uh, that, But <laughs> no, this this is what the thousands of women that responded to to her uh, question that caused her to write this book is no, it would not be better mm-hmm. in their minds to share their husbands with three or four or five or other females mm-hmm. in heaven. That was their problem. That was the angst. Right. Not now, not ever. Right. Yeah. Not now, not ever. Right. So even, but, but again, we want to pinpoint one of the things here where the last part of the quote, uh, he says that an angel will not have posterity forever and ever. Now, so Orson Pratt himself, who was the great defender of Mormon polygamy, states that angels do not marry. They're single for eternity. And Jesus said there would be no marriages in heaven, that we will be like the angels. That's what Jesus said. I don't know how Mormonism can get around that. Their own prophet says it. Jesus said it. Mm-hmm. And yet they're saying, well, you know, if, you're, if you don't do it here, you'll be like an angel. And angels don't get married. And there's no marriage in heaven. We're, we're, we're... Shrug your shoulders. I can't get around. I don't know how they get around it. Logically. Well, we're going to come to that quote about the thinking being done. Absolutely. <laughs> for you. <laughs> You don't have to think. That's our trouble. We're thinking here. <laughs> Number seven, uh, the answer of why a Mormon polygamy. Oh, this is a great one. Monogamy leads to a corrupt society. Brigham Young and other early LDS authorities taught that the one wife system is a wicked arrangement and results in all manner of ills. Yeah, it is a great one, isn't it? And so is Isaiah 8.20 that says, Woe unto them who call good evil and evil good. Mm -hmm. It was God himself who instituted monogamy. And and Brigham Young has the audacity Mm -hmm. to say it's evil uh, and condemn it. Now, about Brigham Young's claims of the one-wife system being wicked, the author wrote this. That's a lot of rottenness and decay to lay at the feet of monogamy. Nor does it fit at all with the 21st century Mormonism's current actions of laying everything on the line in defense of marriage as a one-man, one-woman arrangement. Additionally, history suggests that Salt Lake City was not much different from other cities in regard to prostitution. And that's true. So it's only been a couple of years, very few years, since there was all of that defense of marriage that the, the mm-hmm. church invested in so heavily mm-hmm. as a one man, one woman. Well, exactly. That's exactly right. Idea. Um, 
Now, there's a lot of rottenness and decay to be laid at the feet of the polygamous <laughs> marriage Absolutely. system, not the monogamist. And, of course, monogamy has problems, too, because we're all fallen creatures. But Utah history shows that in the early days of Mormon Utah and in Salt Lake City, uh, Salt Lake City had more than its share of saloons and prostitutes. They built they built huts downtown uh, for the prostitutes. Mm. In fact, we did a show on this a couple of years ago. I think it was Corinne, Utah. The whole town was oh, a whole town of yes. prostitutes. Yes. Uh, the whole thing. So so how can they honest, honestly claim that polygamy or, or that monogamy is the cause of it because they were doing polygamy here and yet they had more prostitutes than other cities aside, well, more saloons as well. So again, History doesn't match up with their claims. <laughs> That's why it needs to be rewritten. <laughs> oh, yeah, we need to rewrite it, right. <laughs> Number eight. <laughs> Number eight. Polygamy was important for kingdom building on earth and in heaven and essential for the highest exaltation in the celestial kingdom. Okay, now here's the importance of polygamy for exaltation. Now, this is full of doctrinal problems. Uh, first, notice that it claims that polygamy is essential for the celestial kingdom, but, but they don't preach that now. They did then, but it used to be mainline teaching, but the polygamy groups preach it. And all Mormon polygamists actually hang their hat on it. Females are raised from the cradle learning that polygamy is required or God will destroy them. That's concrete doctrine, and it's in their section 132. But none of it's true and is part of their brainwashing content. Now, let's look at kingdom building, which all of Mormonism embraces. Which, what did Jesus say about God's kingdom? John 18, 36 and 37, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I love that I sentence. I love that statement. Those on the side of truth will listen to Jesus. And Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. So how can polygamists or anyone else be building his kingdom on earth? Jesus can build it, but not us. And Jesus is king of the kings of the earth, and Jesus is coming back to take up that position. But right now, the earth is in rebellion against him, and that includes the false teachings of Mormonism and polygamists. Their doctrine includes the belief that the greater the number of wives, the greater is man's exaltation in heaven. Unfortunately, the author adds that we'll have to wait until we get to heaven to know if this is true. No, we can know this is true right here and right now. The Bible has those answers. And it's too bad they reject the Bible. They reject what God has to say about these topics, and they trust what men say instead. She quotes the polygamist Charles C. Rich's first wife. The greater the number of wives, the greater the man's exaltation in heaven. Charles C. Rich's first wife, Sarah P. Rich, wrote in her autobiography that she would never have given consent for her husband to take more wives 
If I had not believed that those who obeyed the principle of plural marriage would receive a higher glory in the eternal world. So there's the carrot that they put in front of them, this exaltation in celestial glory. Those lusty old men knew how to appeal to the selfishness of human pride in yearning for eternal personal glory than that would draw people to their dogma of polygamy. Yet genuine Christianity focuses our lives and eternity on exalting Jesus, not self-exaltation. And as she stated, they did and do teach that polygamy is essential, whereas Jesus taught that believing and trusting him alone is the only essential. And those who listen to Jesus are those who are on the side of truth. We're out of time. We're going to do part two. (laughs) Talk more about this next time. (laughs) Thanks, Dorothy. You're welcome. (laughs) I do appreciate it. Uh, your input here. You know, Romans 3.23 tells us that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter how hard we try, God's glory is as unreachable to us as jumping to the moon is. And the only way we can get to the moon is to climb into a rocket and let the rocket take us there. The only way to reach heaven is to be in Christ and depend upon him to take us there. Once we've sinned, the very first sin, there's no going back. It cannot be undone. And that's a big problem because no good work will ever wipe out our sin. No bucket list of good works will help us. We trust in Christ to take us to heaven. We must be in Christ. There is no other way. Every effort at personal self-righteous works must be abandoned. Everything must go except Jesus Christ because he is the Savior and he is all we need. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at one 800 877 425